Just before we commence our service proper, we'll remain seated. We'll sing that lovely hymn, What Gift of Grace is Jesus, my Redeemer. There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness, and freedom, my steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. Think of these lovely words, remaining seated, singing our very best, please, on this lovely hymn. <clears throat>
lovely hymn, and let's continue to think about those words as we turn to our opening hymn, And evil long I took delight, unawed by shame or fear, till a new object met my sight and stopped my wild career. So our opening hymn will stand together while we sing, please. Let's sing our very best. <clears throat>
you take your seats and we're going to sing that final verse. My sister will give us the note. As while his death my sin displays, in all its blackest hue, such is the mystery of grace, it seals my pardon too. Let's think of these words before we come to the place of prayer. We'll get the note and we'll sing it on a compliment. <clears throat> eternal Father in heaven, we wait all in thy presence in the attitude of prayer, and we thank thee for the love of God in Christ, that so loved this old sinful world, that you would come to live amongst sinful fallen men, to live that life of perfect obedience to the law of God, and go all the way to Calvary. We thank thee there, you cried, those words finished. We rejoice tonight, the work is complete. Nothing in our hands we bring, simply to thy cross we cling. We thank thee, Lord, tonight that it's not the wood of the cross. We rejoice that it's the work that was accomplished there upon Calvary. And our loving Father, tonight it's not the sign of the cross. We thank thee for the Saviour that died there in ignominy and in shame. And our loving Father, this evening we rejoice that the tomb is empty. Amen. We thank Thee we can say we serve our risen Saviour. He's in the world today, and we know that He is living, whatever men may say. And our loving Father, we thank Thee for that day when the Saviour, as He parted from His disciples, Thy word tells us that He lifted up His hands, and He blessed them. We pray, our Father in heaven, in the nail-pierced hands of Christ, might, Lord, grant to us such a blessing tonight. We thank Thee that You're in the glory. We thank Thee that seated at Thy right hand is the one who is our Saviour and our Redeemer, the one who has forever conquered the grave, death, and hell. And we rejoice that one day again He's coming in power and in great glory. Surely when we look around us in this old world, we see those signs of the times. We see those indicators that would point us to that day when the Saviour will come in power and in great glory. Lord, we're very mindful that there are those and they're not ready. There are those even in this gathering or those listening in to this service and as yet they have never prepared to meet their God. And so, our loving Father, we pray this evening that in the preaching of the Word of God and the uplifting of the Saviour, in the preaching of the unsearchable riches of Christ, 
men and women will prepare to be ready for that great day. To this end, we pray that thou will bless the singing of these lovely old hymns. We thank thee, Lord, that we have a song in our soul tonight. The psalmist could say that you lifted us up out of the miry clay and you set our feet upon the rock and you established our way and you put that new song in our mouth. Glory and praise unto thy great name. We thank thee for the song of redemption. We thank thee that throughout the countless ages of eternity we'll sing the song of Moses and the Lamb. The song in, in eternity will be the redeeming work of Christ. Unto him who hath loved us and washed us from our sin. So, Father in heaven, bless thy servant as he preaches thy word, give him that physical help that he needs. But, oh, above all of that tonight, we pray, fill him with the power of God, the Holy Spirit. Make this a time, Lord, when we'll not merely go through the motions of coming and going to the house of God, but, oh, that we'll be conscious of the presence of the risen Christ and the power of God will be unleashed in this service. And we'll have that old-fashioned conviction. Speak to thine own people. Encourage us by the way. And for those that know not Christ, oh, snap their shackles tonight, we pray. Set them at liberty and bring them savingly unto thyself. And should there be one in this service, and once they walk well with thee, oh, Lord, draw them lovingly back unto thyself. May this be a night when there will be rejoicing in the presence of the angels in heaven because a work of grace has been done in hearts. So, Father, continue with us now. We're not unmindful of those who cannot be with us. We pray, Lord, that thou wilt remember those particularly who are in great need tonight. We pray, Lord, for Abina, we pray that thou wilt be near unto her. In these moments, we pray that she will know the sustaining presence of the risen Christ. For we pray and ask these things in the Saviour's name. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing further to God's praise that lovely hymn, When Peace Like a River Attendeth My Way, When Sorrows Like Sea Billows Roll. It's well with my soul. And I trust you're able to say that tonight. I trust you're able to say that. You not only sing the words, but in your heart you're able to say, it is well, it is well with my soul.
I think it's one of the greatest hymns in all hymnology, that hymn that we've just been singing together. And uh, it's one that we've chosen for whenever I depart from this life at my funeral, I want that hymn sung. So remember that. We welcome you on that very happy note. We welcome you to the meeting tonight in the Savior's name. You may be visiting with us. We're so glad to have you. And we have our congregation on the internet as well this evening. And we bid them welcome Sermon Audio, Facebook, and YouTube. Light refreshments will be served after this meeting right here in the fellowship area. It's a time not only to get to know one another, but a time of fellowship. And we encourage you to stay. Because of the half-term break, there's no Hebron Tots tomorrow morning. Tuesday night, 7 o'clock, the Youth Challenge. We will press ahead with our youth meeting on Tuesday night. Let's have a good turnout, if possible, in this holiday time. On Wednesday, there is a wedding taking place, and Aaron is here tonight. Uh, tonight, he is a bachelor, and uh, on Wednesday, he's going to be a married man. So, uh, Aaron, just on behalf of the church, we wish you well. Trust the Lord will be with you, and Lord, as you come together in married life, we believe in the institution of the marriage and the sanctity of it. We believe it was God-given from the beginning of days. And as you come together in the will of God, we pray that the Lord will be with you. That wedding will be in Market Hill in Kilcluny Parish Church. Thursday is the midweek at 8 o'clock. And once a month we remember the school particularly. So we'll have special prayer for the school this Thursday. Friday is Youth Fellowship, meeting here at 8 o'clock. And for the elders of the church, it's Presbytery in our money slain congregation. Twice a month, we have an open air right in the center of the town. And this Saturday is one of those occasions. Come and stand with us as the gospel is preached. 11 o'clock, Saturday morning. Next Lord's Day begins with the early season of prayer. And we've often said to you that this early time is often one of the best prayer meetings that we have in the church and we commend it to you. We encourage you to rise up. I was surprised that we didn't have a full house this morning. You got an extra hour in bed after all. I was speaking to somebody today and they, they forgot about the hour change and they were up at a quarter past six, not from the congregation here, but somebody else. Uh, so get up, come and pray, seek the Lord at the early time. Sunday school is at 10.30, Bible class is at a quarter to 11 and our worship service 12 noon family night at seven in the will of god i will preach at both services next lord's day charlotte cahey from portobogie is down to sing as our special soloist next sunday night so remember the meetings pray much for them there's also a recording uh, service that we want many of you to come to if possible the last one that we will likely travel to in Lurgan because the venue will change. It's on Monday the 6th of November. We need a congregation. There's a sheet provided. Please put your name on that sheet and plan to be with us. There's also a work team organized for Saturday the 11th of November. If you can come in and help with some of the, the work that needs to be done in and around the church, we will appreciate what you can do. As I said this morning, anyone seeking membership of the church here at Hebron, you feel that this is your home where you worship God, this is your family, and this is where you ought to bring yourself 
into membership. Please see me as soon as possible. We're aiming towards January at the Lord's table to receive new members in. Another very important night is Monday, the 20th of November, four weeks from tomorrow, and that will be the election of elders. We will seek, by the grace of God, to elect two new elders. So we want you to be in prayer. We want you to be thinking about this. I know many of you have been, and this is something that has been on uh, the, the calendar for a little time now. So let's pray that God will bring into office two new elders according to his plan and purpose. A list of communicants eligible to vote has been posted on the church notice board and a list of men eligible to vote for has also been posted. We're asking you to check these lists and if there's any queries, please see me. We're just keeping this live because it's, there's so much going on in the land of Israel. We heard from Hannah who is a Messianic Jew. She is a guide, she's a tour guide there, she's a believer. Uh, Dr. Douglas would have used her many, many times in the past uh, doing tours in Israel, and our brother Dennis Lyle also. Uh, so things are difficult, and we know that. You can't believe everything you hear in the media either, but we pray for God's people. We pray for the peace of the land, and uh, we often say no true peace will come to that land until Jesus comes. He's the Prince of Peace. We know, as we preached on a few weeks ago, that the nations will compass, encompass the, the land of Israel, and they will come against Jerusalem. And as that invasion is taking place, suddenly and unexpectedly for many, Jesus will come, and he will bring peace to the earth, and especially to the land of Israel. I want to bring our tithes and offerings in now and we'll hand back to Mervyn to lead the singing of the next hymn. It's home mission today. Remember that. Our offering hymn is the hymn 366. I thirsted in the barren land of sin and shame. And nothing satisfying there I find. We'll remain seated for the opening verses of the hymn where evening tithes and offering is lifted, please.
Thank you, Mervyn. You've probably gathered that we asked Mervyn to lead the songs tonight in the opening part of the meeting again uh, because we're struggling with the, the tail end of a cold. I think most of it's behind, but it's left me with a, like a tickly cough. So we're praying. We want you to pray, Lord, take the cough away so that the preacher can get through the message tonight. And we believe in the Spirit of God. We need His power. We need His help. And uh, I have a little mixture. Some people wonder, what do you bring to the pulpit with you? It's not ordinary water, but it's a mixture of honey and lemon, which is very good. And it's extra special because the honey that's here is from Israel. Uh, we brought that back from Israel a few weeks ago. <coughs> Will you turn to Ephesians chapter 1? As you turn to the place, just a few things I want to say. Uh, first of all, and I know that he'll not mind me mentioning this tonight, but John McCauley got good news. We've been praying for John. He's on the prayer list. We've been remembering him faithfully before the Lord as one of our elders. And the news was good that the, the cancer is free in his body. And whatever that particular level, I can't remember the initials of it, but it's at zero. And that, that's excellent news at this stage. So the Lord bless John and continue to be with him. We think of Rabina four days ago. She was told, family was told really, that she had just 24 hours to live, maybe 48 hours, and she's still lingering. I have visited every day, and as I looked at her, I thought about some of you here. I thought about other people that I know who are not saved, and my thought was this, that is not the time to leave your salvation. Because even though she is still living and breathing, she's not in a proper state of mind or in a physical way to think about the Lord at all. She's unconscious and she's breathing her last. Every breath that she takes is really breathing her last. That's not the time to leave your salvation until you're about to die. You may never get an opportunity in, if you have a deathbed. Then we remember Margaret Davison, that they're not related, but we prayed for her. She had a fall at the airport coming home from Tenerife that admitted her to hospital, and today she got the all clear to travel back, so I'm not sure if they've got a flight booked. Maybe tonight, so she'll be glad to get back home. I, I know that that will be the case. We want to look at God's Word tonight, read these opening seven verses of Ephesians 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, 
wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. We end the reading at the seventh verse. Well, we were to prayer. We've been remembering Daniel too in the Philippines. He's been there, and we trust that the Lord will be with him in all that he does. Encouragement to our brother Noel Stevenson. Our Father, we do remember Daniel, and we pray that you'll bless him as he serves the Lord for this little time in the Philippines. We remember Aaron and Lauren as they get married on Wednesday, that the Lord will be there and be with them in married life. We pray that they'll seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, and we know that everything else, therefore, will fall into place. As we come to consider your word, we pray for light and wisdom and understanding. We pray for the needed grace. We pray for the Holy Spirit. We cry in Jesus' name for that special anointing of power from on high. We cannot do this without thee. We, we struggle tonight physically. We know that. But way beyond that need, there is the need of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that flowing through me, thou wouldst use me. The hymn writer said every day and every hour, but it's this hour that I'm thinking about, especially in the preaching of the Word. As the gospel goes forth, Lord, flow through me and let your words go into hearts. Do your people good. Bless the unconverted here. Draw them to Christ. Lord, these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're taking for our text tonight, verse 7, and I want to speak on this subject, can I be forgiven? And there's so many verses that I could turn to, but here's a tremendous text. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. The great apostle Paul, preacher, theologian, missionary, soul winner, church planter, there are many ways in which he can be designated a truly remarkable individual speaks on the subject of forgiveness in this verse of Scripture. Indeed, this mighty theologian who wrote over half of the New Testament books speaks on some of the great doctrinal subjects in these opening seven verses of this chapter. And you just scan your eye down these verses and pick out the great terms that that stir our hearts and bless our souls. Grace, peace, spiritual blessings, chosen, holy, without blame, predestinated, accepted in the beloved. And in our text, three more words, redemption, forgiveness, and grace. Wonderful terms, and not least, this great term, forgiveness, sitting here in the phrase that is a most beautiful, biblical, inspired statement, the forgiveness of sins. Can I be forgiven? Question that has searched out the hearts of men from the beginning of days. Sinful man, fallen man, disobedient and depraved, estranged and separated from God, 
can I be forgiven? And I want to answer that immediately from the very outset of what I say tonight. I want to state categorically upon the word of the living God, yes, you and I can be forgiven. The subject of forgiveness declares three profound truths. This is just by way of introduction. The first truth is that every man is born in sin. You wouldn't need forgiveness unless you were born in sin. And every single person from Adam onwards brought into this world has been brought into this world except for Adam in sin. Every single man is born in sin, practices sin, and is enslaved to sin. Think of the great chapter, and again it's Paul that that wrote the words, and it's one of his doctrinal books, Romans chapter 3, as it is written, verse 10, there is none righteous, no, not one. You want to mark verse 12, they are all gone out of the way, They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. And verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I'm reminded about what the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. We have all come short of God's glory, of God's perfect standard. None is exempt. Outwardly, some are greater sinners than others. They are guilty of deep, vile, wicked, hideous sins, murder, adultery, sodomy, incest, drunkenness, idolatry, robbery, the list goes on. And then we have the the upright and the moral religious people We sometimes describe them as walking down the clean side of the broad way. But they're all in the broad way. Whether you're guilty of vile, hideous sins in the sight of God, or whether you're living outwardly a moral life, you're still on the same road, the broad way that leads to destruction. All have sinned. And Jesus reminded the religious leaders of his day, ye are off your father the devil, and the works of your father ye will do. So forgiveness is proclaiming this profound truth, every man is born in sin. The second truth that is proclaimed is every man deserves punishment. We're under the wrath of God. Our sins deserve the righteous wrath of a holy God. God cannot simply overlook sin or excuse sin because of His nature. Judgment must and will be administered. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. That's the verdict of God. That's the sentence of God. The wages of sin is death. Death is passed upon all men. The just sentence for all men, therefore, who are unpardoned and unforgiven is the lake of fire that Revelation 20 speaks about. And that's what we deserve. That's what I deserve. 
And everyone sitting in the pews tonight, that's what you deserve. And every person that has ever lived in the face of this earth, that's what we all deserve. (coughs) But the Lord Jesus Christ, praise God, He came to put away our sin. And so the third great truth that is proclaimed is this. Every man can be forgiven, but only through Christ. (coughs) Jesus came to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. He came to bear our sin in his own body. He came to carry away our sin, to take away our sin. Isn't that what John the Baptist said on the banks of the River Jordan that day when Jesus was approaching, John was baptizing converts there, and as the Lord approached, he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away, carries away, bears away the sin of the world. Jesus came to receive punishment for our sin. I read a wonderful statement recently as I was thinking about this message, and it's this, the Son of God absorbed the wrath of God so that the children of God might be reconciled to God. You might not just be able to remember that, but it's a wonderful statement. The Son of God absorbed the wrath of God so that the children of God might be reconciled to God. In Christ, as we shall see, our sin is dealt with. God forgives His people on the basis of Christ's redeeming work. Think of this uh, beautiful declaration that we have in the book of Colossians, Paul's letter to the Colossians chapter 1. Let me read to you two verses, 13 and 14. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. And praise God, all sin can be forgiven. Remember the Corinthians, that wicked city, all the cities that were there in that part of the world, Corinth was one of the worst, one of the most immoral. In fact, it was a saying, if you called somebody a Corinthian, you were calling them in such terms that they were the vilest of all people. You remember the sins that they were guilty of? And when Paul was writing to them, to the believer in Jesus Christ, he said, and such were some of you. And think of all those sins that that are listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9 onwards. Fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, abusers of themselves with mankind, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners. And verse 11 says, and such were some of you. What happened? They found forgiveness. They came to a place where they were washed, sanctified, and justified in the sight of Almighty God. Now, I could use a number of texts tonight. There are so many of them that bring us to the depths of our sin and soar to the heights 
of our forgiveness. But this one here is sufficient in Ephesians 1 and verse 7, just to ponder for a little time as we close the meeting this evening. I want you to consider, first of all, the proclamation of forgiveness. And it's in the words of the apostle, the forgiveness of sin. It's a grand thing to be able to proclaim this wonderful and eternal truth in answer to the question tonight, can I be forgiven? We can declare on the authority of God's Word, yes. Most categorically, yes. Here, Paul, writing to the Ephesian church, he speaks about the forgiveness of sin. Sin is a great problem in the hearts of all men. Sin is the violation of God's law. It's the breaking of God's commandments. It is coming short of God's perfect standard, infinitely so. Sin has separated us from God, made us enemies of God, brought us under the condemnation of God, and our sin cries out for punishment. Before we can receive the forgiveness of sins, we must be brought to the place where we see and acknowledge our sinfulness. When we confess, I believe in the forgiveness of sin, we are confessing the sinfulness of our sin and the need of forgiveness. Each of us can say with David in the Psalm 51 and verse 5, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Being born in sin, we were dead in our sins. As Paul goes on to declare in Ephesians 2 and verse 1, that we're dead in trespasses and in sins. And as you read on into that second chapter of Ephesians, you'll see how sinful man is. He's debased, he's diabolical, he's disobedient, he's debauched, and he's doomed. Children of wrath, says the apostle. We deserve the wrath of God forever. We deserve to die. We deserve to go to hell. If we got our just desserts, that's where we would be. The second death in the lake of fire that I've mentioned. It's eternal destruction. Paul tells us that in 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 9. It is everlasting contempt. Daniel 12 and verse 2. It is torment forever. Go to the book of Revelation, chapter 14, verse 11, and it talks about being tormented day and night forever. But praise God, there's mercy with the Lord. There is the forgiveness of sin. Can I be forgiven, you ask? Yes, praise God, you can. But you're saying tonight, preacher, you don't know the life that I've lived. You don't know the sins, the vile and wicked sins that I have committed. You don't, you don't understand my past and how wicked I've been. And I don't. And I don't need to know. They say God knows everything. The most minutest detail about us all, God knows us through and through. He sees your sin. He knows every sin that we have ever committed and Jesus taught that all manner of sin 
can be forgiven. Think of Matthew 12 and 31. The Lord declares it there. And we sang earlier, I told you it's one of the greatest hymns, and probably out of the greatest hymns, we have the greatest verse, the center one. If you ever sing 351, never leave out the middle verse. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to his cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. The psalmist declares that God forgiveth all thine iniquities. Psalm 103, verse 3. <coughs> the proclamation of forgiveness. Secondly, there is the pathway of forgiveness. We come to our text again, Ephesians 1, verse 7. And I want you to mark certain words, highlight them, underscore them. Certainly put them into your mind in whom his blood, and then we have the word grace. These are wonderful terms, and I want you to mark them carefully because they are they're so important. Jesus Christ is the answer, the only answer to our sin. In whom? It's in Christ, and in Christ alone that we have forgiveness. He has been appointed as the Savior. He left the splendor of heaven. He descended into this sin-cursed world. He lived a life of perfect obedience on our behalf, and he died an atoning death at the cross of Calvary. It is Jesus Christ alone. It's not Christ plus something else. It's a great mistake that many make in this world. People think it's Christ plus my works. It's Christ plus my charity. It's Christ plus the church or Christ plus religion. I tell you, it's Christ plus nothing. It's Christ and Christ alone. And that's what we proclaim tonight on the authority of God's precious Word. When the great apostle preached the gospel at Antioch in Acts chapter 13, and he set before his hearers the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, he declared, Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And that's what we declare. That's what we preach to you tonight. You're sitting in this meeting, and you're without Christ. You're still in your sin. I want you to know, through this man, the man Christ Jesus, this God-man, God manifested in human flesh, you can have the forgiveness of sins. Note the means of cleansing. Come to this next term, His blood. Oh, it's the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, that cleanses us from all sin. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There's no good going anywhere else for forgiveness because there's no other way Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. Hebrews 9, verse 22. That word remission means release. It means dismissal. It has certainly the idea of what we're talking about tonight, forgiveness. Jesus said, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. That our sins might be taken away that our sins might be dismissed, released from us, indeed forgiven. 
And this leads us to the great sacrifice of Christ at Calvary's cross. God dealt with our sin on that center tree. Jesus was crucified for our sin. He poured out his life's blood for our cleansing and salvation. John tells us that Christ is the propitiation for our sin. I think I could ask a number of people here tonight what propitiation means. I hope our young people know it. I hope they've remembered it. I hope if I was to say, Joanna, stand up and tell me, but I'm not going to do that because she's just trembled there for a moment. I'm not going to do that, but I, I hope that Joanna would be able to tell me that it is the turning away of the wrath of God by the means of an atoning sacrifice. And you need to take that whole sentence to understand what propitiation means, but it's there in one word. Don't be afraid of the term. That's what I tell our young people. That's what I tell you all. Just know what it means. And it has a wonderful meaning. God's wrath is turned away from us by the means of the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ at Calvary's cross. Jesus does not redeem and forgive us by his sinful life, sinless life. He does not forgive us through his moral example, but only through his death and the shedding of his blood. Spurgeon said, observe, it is not redemption through his power, it's through his blood. It is not redemption through his love, it is through his blood. And then mark carefully the other little term that is used, and it's the word grace. Isn't that a marvelous word? Grace. Sometimes it has been summarized as God's riches at Christ's expense. If you want to just put it there in an acrostic to help you remember what it means. Grace is a charming sound, harmonious to the ear. Dr. Kearns' book, The Dictionary of Theological Terms, gives a, a statement about the term grace. And our brother, uh, as he wrote on the subject, he said, it's a mode of the goodness of God often described as undeserved favor. And so it is. Undeserved favor. That's what grace is. Didn't deserve it. We didn't merit it, certainly. We didn't work for it. But God bestows this undeserved favor upon us, His grace in salvation. But our brother Kearns went on to say that it's much more than that. It is undeserved favor bestowed upon those who are positively deserving the wrath of God. My dear friends, tonight, this is the pathway of forgiveness. Summarized in these words in our text, in whom is Christ, His blood, and us all of grace. One final point to make tonight, and that is the participants of forgiveness. Who can receive the forgiveness of sins? Am I included? Are you included? Can I be forgiven? Can you be forgiven? Am I in the number that can obtain forgiveness of sin? I want to show you how all men can, through the blood of Christ and the grace of God, be forgiven. There are some who struggle with this. 
I know that, but they ought not to. There are some who, who doubt that God can forgive them. There are some who continually feel their guilt. But I want you to know all men can be forgiven. The vilest of sinners can be forgiven. Maybe we could use the illustration of the woman of Samaria. She was a vile sinner. John chapter 4. She lived an immoral life, jumping in and out of marriages. Whether she was properly married to those men or not, we don't know. We certainly do know that the day that she met Jesus, the man that she was living with was not her husband. And she had all these relationships. But that woman came and she drank at the fountain of living waters. She never thirsted again. She found forgiveness. Where? Through Jesus Christ and him alone. The chiefest of sinners can be forgiven. That's what Paul called himself, isn't it? Think of his background. Although he was religious and he was a Jew, a Hebrew of Hebrews, he called himself. Yet as he thought of his past, persecuting Christ, persecuting Christians, consenting to their death, wanting to kill all the more, the apostle felt himself the chiefest of all sinners, and yet he obtained the forgiveness of God and became one of the greatest champions in the preaching of the word that this world has ever known. What about those that are caught up in the occult, uh, the Satanists? Praise God, they can be forgiven. Mary Magdalene, the Lord cast seven devils out of Mary Magdalene. What about Legion, the demoniac of Gadara? Many devils had inhabited his body. The Lord delivered him and the countless others that we read about in the Scriptures who were possessed with demons. They came to Christ and they found the answer of forgiveness in Christ. And he delivered them and he saved them by his grace and they became his disciples. What about those on the other side, the, the, the religious people? Praise God, they can be forgiven. We talked about the immoral woman of John chapter 4. Well, we have the moral man of John chapter 3. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, and praise God, the outcome of the conversation that was held between Christ and Nicodemus about the new birth and the cross and the love of God brought Nicodemus to saving faith in Christ, albeit for a time, secretively. But he came out into the open at last to proclaim Christ as a Savior. I just want you to get this message tonight. You can become a recipient of the forgiveness of God, no matter what your past has been, no matter who you are in this meeting. And what about the faltering child of God? Maybe there's some Christian in this meeting and you've you feel the Lord. Maybe you feel the Lord terribly in Christ's redemptive work. Praise God, we have been forgiven. All our sin is pardoned. All our faults and our failures are dealt with through the cleansing of the blood. But we're not perfect. And indeed, we, we sin every day in word, thought, and deed. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But sometimes, even a Christian can be guilty of a serious sin. Is there still forgiveness for such an individual? And my friend, there is. 
Because the God that we worship is a God of mercy, a God who is loving towards his people and who will restore his people if they truly come in repentance to him. Can I use David in the Old Testament? He should have been out fighting the battles of the Lord. But on that occasion, he tarried in Jerusalem and he was walking on the high place of the, the palace overlooking Bathsheba's, Bathsheba's home and saw her washing herself, bathing herself, lusted after her, inquired after her, took her, lay with her, committed a hideous sin with her, an awful sin that marred the testimony of David forever. But did David receive forgiveness from the Lord for that sin and the subsequent sin that led to the, the death of Bathsheba's husband, Uriah? Yes, he did. And we have his penitential prayer recorded for us in the Psalm 51. It's David's prayer after he came into or unto Bathsheba. And you read that psalm and see how David in true repentance when Nathan the prophet was sent to him to expose his sin and to say, Thou art the man, fell before the Lord and cried out for mercy and received forgiveness for his sin. Can I use Peter in the New Testament? Peter, who denied the Lord three times when the disciples should have been standing with Christ in his last hours. I know not the man. Don't know what you're talking about. Three times over with oaths and cursings. I don't know him. What a sad moment it was for Peter, having denied the Lord. But Peter felt pricked in his conscience when the Lord just turned and looked at him. Jesus didn't need to say a word. Just, just a look. You can speak through your looks. Peter, do you not know me? Do you not know who I am? And it melted Peter's heart. And out into the darkness of that night he went and he wept bitterly. He confessed his sin to the Lord and was forgiven, was taken up and used in a mighty way by the Lord. We think of the day of Pentecost especially. My friends, the, the subject tonight, the question we're asking, can I be forgiven? The simple answer is yes, because in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Whether you are a sinner that needs to come to Christ or a Christian who has failed the Lord and maybe failed miserably, I want you to know before you leave this service, there's mercy for you. There's forgiveness for you if you come to Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for this tremendous truth that the text is proclaiming, the forgiveness of sins. We praise you that all sin can be forgiven if we come to Jesus and repent and receive him by faith. Lord, speak, we pray, to the hearts of men and women and young people that are here. You know their heart. You know their need. Oh, God, we pray that this will be the night when they will settle the matter and obtain the forgiveness of sins for Jesus' sake. Amen. One of my favorite hymns we'll close with, 288.
I'm coming to the cross. That's where you need to come, to Jesus, where he shed his blood to save you from your sin. And trusting, Lord, in thee, blessed Lamb of Calvary, humbly at thy cross I bow. Save me, Jesus. Save me now. Stand and sing. Father, answer prayer. Take your word, write it upon the heart of all that are here. Bless your people with the knowledge of sins forgiven. And Lord, challenge those who need to be forgiven. May they come to the cross. May they flee to Christ. For Jesus' sake. Amen. <laughs>